do you feel that way? You know, that video, I, I saw it on Facebook, and I can't remember, I think Margaret was the one that actually put it up on Facebook. And that hit me because that's exactly how I feel. And that's the premise for what this church that you're a part of was started under. It's that insatiable desire to be with him. That desire to be close to him. Not, not to be in heaven, that I want this life to end to be in heaven, because see, I know that what he does with me in this life affects my time in eternity. And we've talked about that through this series. But it's that time that you have with him here. It's that relationship that we have with him on earth when we cannot see him. See, it's filled with this element called faith. This element called faith that mixes into everything that we do. That's just like breath. You don't know that you're breathing until you think about it. You don't know that you're walking through life and throughout your day and, oh, that's right, yeah, I was breathing the entire day. Okay, what if you had to think about every breath? I, I better take a breath now because my body's going to need it. What if you had to think about that? See, faith is just like breathing when you exercise it. And in real simple terms, it's easy to understand that. Well, yeah, okay, I have faith and I, I believe that. But you know, to walk that is something very different. To walk your faith is very different. We've been talking about putting on the armor of God. We've been through all the pieces that we put on. We're going to review those a little bit today. But there comes a point where once you have your armor on, it's, it's not just over. That's the beginning. That's when you take that step of faith and you know that he is going to work through you no matter what. You've got your armor on and now you're going into the battle, right? There's a reason for this armor. There's a reason for putting it on, and we went through each piece. But the reason is that relationship with Jesus Christ. The reason is that closeness that you develop where you want him as much as you want to breathe. That video was powerful to me. Because could you imagine if everybody in here felt that way and actually lived that way? Do you think we'd have an impact? Do you think we'd have an impact even on our families? Do you think we'd have an impact on our community around here? Do you think we would eventually have an impact on the very world that we live in, well beyond the borders of where we live? Yeah. Yeah, don't kid yourself. Look at what David did 
from being a young boy in the fields as a shepherd. Look at what he did to literally change the world. He wanted his relationship with God as much as he wanted to breathe. You can't breathe, or you can't live without breathing. You can't live the Christian life without God. Now, it's under, we have to understand, too, that God is not this generic thing. Okay? He set it up in his word how this relationship is to work. And that's part of what he talked about in the video. This relationship is through the third person of the Trinity. This relationship is through the Holy Spirit. This relationship is interactive. It is not simply a belief system. It is not simply, I know, I know the Word of God, and I, and I know these things that, that the Word of God says, and I believe those. That's not what it is. It's interactive. He gave us the Holy Spirit. That's why when Jesus Christ left, he told his disciples, you want me to leave. You want me to leave. Because if you knew what I was about to give you, you'd understand. This is what we have access to. We have access to the Holy Spirit. When we have accepted Jesus Christ into our heart and we are saved, we instantly have access to the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit is who takes the Word of God and reveals truth to us. It's not our minds. It's not our training. It's not the knowledge that we gain. I've learned more in the last year of my life about the Word of God and about a relationship with Jesus Christ than I have in 41 years of salvation. Simply because, and not about knowledge, because I've taught the Word of God for almost 25 years, off and on. I've studied the Word of God, but it can't be a textbook for you. It can't be a textbook that you just learn information from. If you don't couple that with a relationship with the Holy Spirit, then you're never going to understand the truths that are layered in the Word of God. So let's look back at this series that we've done, this Armor Up series. Remember the first one, we, we kind of laid out what the atmosphere was like in which we were at war. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 10 through 18a. Notice that. Oh well, it's dry. Okay, Ephesians. What no, what I need is my iPad to cooperate. Ephesians chapter six. iPads are wonderful, they have everything on there, but when they're doing multiple things at once, it uh, gets a little interesting. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10, says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord, I'm reading from the ESV, 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Let me stop there. That was the first week. We, we laid out what this battlefield looked like. It doesn't look like what we can see right here. It doesn't look like physically what we understand. This battlefield is spiritual. If we could all see with spiritual eyes, if we could all have the gift of discernment and be able to see what's going on in this place and what's going on around us, we would see a very different picture. I remember when Elijah, they were being sieged by the enemy, and the enemy was all around, and, and Elijah's scribe was so worried about the enemy, and Elijah's just going about his business. And he finally says, Lord, open his eyes so he could see. When the Lord opened his eyes, he could see the battlefield. He could see where the real battle was waging. It wasn't this physical army that was in front of him, but it was this spiritual army that was protecting him in that case. So if we start to look with these spiritual lies about the enemy that encircles us all the time and tries to get at us, and then we also understand that the Lord sends help, then we see the battlefield very differently. And that, that's what we began with that first week. So the battlefield is not a physical place. Let's keep reading. Verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and have done, having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. That was the first piece of armor, and we talked about that second week, that the belt of truth was what kind of held everything together. It's what held their, the, the clothes that they operated in. They, they wore these robes back then. A, a Roman soldier wore a robe. If he didn't have a belt then that thing got in the way. The belt was also a utility belt. It held the sword. It held other things that they would use in the battle. You know, think of a, of a workman today. I used to build houses. We would wear a belt that would carry everything that we need. That was the belt of truth. The truth was the Word of God. We have to have our foundation in the Word of God. We have to have that girded around us. We have to have it tied tight. It holds us together. That's the foundation. That's the beginning. If you, if you don't start with that in your personal life, then you're going to get off track automatically. If you just decide, well, I'm just going to let the Spirit speak to me. I don't really, you know, I don't really read the Word of God. I'm just going to let the Spirit tell me what to do. Well, you're going to have a problem because not every spirit is good. Remember, it's a battle. There's a battlefield. And both good and bad spirits have access to you. It's a battle. So you better have your foundation in the Word of God. You better be reading the Word of God, not in your own understanding, but you've got to read for Him to reveal it to you. We have access to it. 
It'd be different if we didn't. If we didn't have access to the Word of God, it'd be different. Because there are places in the world that that's the case. We work with the Chichimeca Indians, and it's interesting, they don't have the Bible in their own language. Now, the vast majority of them speak Spanish. But there are some of them that all they speak is Chichimeca. They don't have the Word of God. They don't have access. They can't do what we can do with it. But we do have it. So because we have it, we're responsible for it. So putting on the belt of truth, that was our foundation. Then it says, again, verse 14, halfway through, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. This was the next piece of armor. The breastplate of righteousness wasn't our doing good. It wasn't us deciding to do what's right. Us deciding that, well, this is right and this is wrong and and we're going to take the right path. That's not what it talked about. The breastplate of righteousness was putting on somebody else's righteousness. It was putting on the very righteousness of Christ. Because if if you try and put on your own righteousness, everything will go through it. Because our righteousness is not complete. Our righteousness has holes all over it. It's not going to withstand an arrow. It's not going to withstand a blow by the enemy. It's his righteousness that we put on. Now, when you were saved, you were justified. When you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you were justified of your sin. That came automatically by your acceptance because Jesus Christ paid the full price. He paid for it. So to the Father's eyes, when the Father looks at us, he looks at us through the lens of Jesus Christ. Do you know, and I said this, he he sees us as perfect. He sees us as righteous. He sees us as through his Son. That's putting on the righteousness of Christ. You have to realize that. You have to realize this is not about you. This is not about how good you are. This is not about, well, I, you know, I've got, I've got a bigger list of good things than, I, than the bad things. So I, I'm doing okay. No. Before the Father, you're perfect. And the more you realize that, the more you're going to fall in love with the Son, knowing what He did for you. And then in your heart of hearts, you're not going to want to hurt him. See, that's where obedience really takes root. It's not out of obligation. Obedience is out of desire. It's out of desire to be different. It's out of desire to serve the very person who gave his life for you. That's what it stems from. Verse 15, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. We talked about what shoes are for. And when you go into battle, you want to protect your feet because that's what comes in impact with the ground. You don't want to step into something that you don't know what's there. You don't want to step onto sharp objects that you know are there, right? We avoid different things. 
if you're stepping through, you're walking through, and there's a lake, you're going to avoid the lake, right? Unless you're planning to swim. <laughs> Your shoes are what take you in a direction. So there's no, it's, it, it's, it's, what he did with the shoes is he said, don't move until you have peace. Again, this is critical in having the, the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will never move you or give you a peace to move in a direction if it's not right. So that's why he said, giving you shoes with the readiness of peace. When you have a peace about something, you're ready. You're ready to move forward. That's usually when God brings us to a place of submission, of obedience. I have a peace about that. Okay, I can move. I have a peace now. I can take that step. I can move forward because I have peace. That's what, that's what he's talking about right here is having that peace. Then verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. We talked about the fact that the shield of faith was the first movable piece of armor. It had a specific purpose. You aim it at the enemy. You know where the enemy is coming from because you understand the battlefield. You're in tune with the Holy Spirit. He shows you... Put your shield out that way. You start to get a sense of where the attack's coming from. When you get that sense, you put the shield out. Remember, we also talked about this was the first piece of armor that actually became an offensive piece as well. Remember, we showed the picture of a Roman shield. It had a thing in the middle called a button. Okay, that button was for ramming things, ramming doors, you know, moving the crowd, whatever. And, the, and the, if you remember the picture we showed, you had dents all in it. So it had seen some work. <laughs> okay, the shield is not only something that you protect yourself with, but it also became the first offensive piece. So it's no wonder that that's faith. Because faith is not just defensive. Faith is not something we do just for ourselves. When we have faith in Jesus Christ that he's going to do something in our lives, it doesn't end there. See, I have faith that he's going to do something in Alexa's life. I have faith that he's going to do something in Brooke's life, in Yvonne's life. I have faith that he's going to do something in every one of your lives. So see, faith becomes Offensive, not just defensive. But remember, faith is movable. Faith is directional. You don't just have this blanket faith, you direct it. We're not talking about faith of salvation. We're talking about faith that builds your walk in Christ. We're talking about faith that gives you that next step. You get peace because of faith, by the way. And if you take step, if you're on the battlefield and you're about to take a step, and you have the peace of that step because of the shoes made ready by peace, where's your, where's your shield going to be? 
Is it going to be down to your side? Is it going to be hanging off your back? You're just going to kind of carry it? No, you're going to have it right out front. Right? We showed a video last week of these two guys that were realistic sword fighters back in the Viking days. And they had their shields out front and they had their swords out front. So when you know that where the battle is and you're going into the battle because you have the peace to go that direction, you better get your faith out in front of you. Your faith can't be behind. That can't be something that you pick up later because you're exposed. You're exposed if you don't have your shield up. And your faith is your shield. Verse 17 says, and take up the helmet of salvation, 17a. Remember, we talked about the helmet of salvation wasn't justification. We talked about how in the word of God, salvation is broken down to three phases. When we say the word salvation, what we think of mostly is the time we, we invited Jesus Christ into our hearts and we became saved. Okay, that's what we think of in, as far as salvation. In the Word of God, salvation is really in three steps. That first step is justification. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are justified. There is nothing else you need to do. He did everything. He paid it all. And you can never have that taken from you. Remember, we read Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, that we're given the Holy Spirit. He is given as a guarantee... Until we get our inheritance. And that inheritance is eternal life. So the justification part is simple. It's real simple. It's real quick. It's immediate. It's not a process. So then you read the word of God and you see all these things that are a process. Paul worked out his salvation. What? Isn't he the one that said, I'm saved immediately and, you know, Christ did everything? Yeah. It's because he's talking about a separate phase of salvation. He's talking about sanctification. And that's what the helmet of salvation is. It is our sanctification. Our sanctification is the life in which we draw close to Jesus Christ. It's our personal relationship. It's not just how we decide to do good. It's not that we decide to go down this path instead of this path. It's a relationship. That means that relationship is interactive. It's two ways. We're letting him speak into us, and we're speaking to him. We have a relationship together. That's our sanctification. And we talked about how our sanctification is what determines our rewards, not what we do. And be careful of that, because it's, it's easy to think that my rewards come from what I do for God. But you can do for God, and you can receive your reward here. You can also do for God and have the wrong motivation for doing it. Sanctification is not about what you do. That's the end result. Sanctification is about how you draw close to him. Remember, we used the, the illustration of having a 50-gallon drum. Okay, you have a 50-gallon drum and I have a hose. 
we just turn on the hose and we begin to fill this drum. That hose is the Holy Spirit, or the, the hose, the water coming out is the Holy Spirit. And we start to fill this drum. Picture that in your life. You are being filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? From the outside, unless it's a clear drum, let's, let's say it's not, it's like a trash can. From the outside, I can't tell a thing. I mean, maybe the person's happier. But I can't really see Christ. I don't see anything inside. Until what? Until it overflows. So when it starts to overflow, that's the doing. That's the doing that will reap a reward in heaven. Because there are some, and we talked about this, you could listen, listen to it online or you could get the notes or whatever, ask me about it. Because there are some who will do the work thinking they are going to receive a reward and they're going to be surprised when they get before the beam of seat of Christ. Because they did it for the doing. They didn't let Christ do it through them. It wasn't through overflow. So see, remember, Jesus made this really simple. He didn't say, here's a list of a hundred things that you need to do, that you need to live by, that you need to be aware of. Here's this list. Take care of this. Okay. That's what he did in the Old Testament. That's the law. That's what he came and fulfilled was that. Then in the New Covenant, he made it really simple. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will follow. So all you have to do is one thing. Keep that hose nozzle on. Just keep it on. Just keep it on. Let him fill you. Seek him. Don't seek, well, God, you know, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do that? Which is what we spend a lot of our Christian lives wondering. Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? And I try and figure it out. And by the way, everybody does that. I've, I've done that most of my life. But when you understand Matthew 6.33, and you call him on it, you say, God, you promised this, so I'm going to trust you. I'm just going to seek you. That's it. Nothing else. Then you give me the peace for my feet to take me where I need to go. I need that to come from you, God, because I'm just seeking you. And you mix that with faith, and something special is going to happen in your life. You're going to find your feet taking you places you never expected. Taking you in a direction that you didn't intend. And all of a sudden you look back and you think, how did I get here? How, how, how did I get to where I am preaching at a church in a house? How did I get here? It's because he prepared my feet, and he took me in a direction. It wasn't my intention, but I sought him. And I made seeking him the only thing. When you do that, he does the rest. He promised to. You know what? Call him on it. 
Because God's not a liar. You call him on his promises. And that's a significant promise. And then second half of verse 17. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now we talked about this last week. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. It is the offensive weapon. Now remember we talked and we showed the video of those guys sword fighting. So the sword is defensive. When somebody lunged, they would block. Then they would counter. There was this duel going on. The better you get wielding your sword, the more effective you're going to be in the battle. You can't just go out there hacking at stuff just because you know a couple of verses. Because all you're doing is hacking. All you're doing is going after an enemy that knows how to fight. So you've got to be able to work in that world. But yet we don't have the capability of that without the Holy Spirit. Which is the greatest gift, by the way. Outside of salvation, outside of justification salvation, the greatest gift that was ever given to man is the Holy Spirit. And what's sad is so many Christians don't get that. So many Christians don't understand that part of the relationship, that it's interactive, that the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life, not that you work in your life through the Holy Spirit. There's a difference. Not that you work in your life and and I'm just doing what's right because this is what Jesus tells me to do. No. If you let the Holy Spirit work in your life, the result will be exactly what Jesus Christ wants you to do. You'll find yourself not pursuing sin. You'll find yourself not being affected by sin. We still live in this worldly body. We still have this flesh. I'm not saying you won't have temptation. You're always going to have that until we're taken up. But I'm telling you it will not have the same effect because you will understand the cost. 1 Corinthians 3 tells us to understand the cost of your salvation. Understand when you were given this precious life, this eternal life, understand the cost of it. Part of that is understanding the cost that it cost Christ. And I always think about that. Do you realize that there is a man seated on the throne of God, sitting at the right hand of the Father, a man, a human, a person. He is all person. He is all God. When he was resurrected, he didn't stop being man. He will always be man. He has the scars to prove it. He paved the way for us So what we see in his resurrected body is the same thing that we were promised. Understand the cost. Understand what it cost him, and you need to understand what it cost you. Does your Christian walk cost you anything? If it doesn't, it may not be worth anything. 
because it costs. So you have to understand how to use that sword. And I think it's interesting, too, that it says, it doesn't just say, and take up your sword, the word, and learn how to use it. No, it says the sword of the Spirit. If you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to work through you, if you do not seek for him to speak into your life and you give him permission to speak into your life, then you're not going to know how to use that book. You're not going to know how to apply what it says. You can be a good person. That's different. There's a lot of good people. There's a lot of good people that aren't saved. There's a lot of people that on the outside can be good. Doesn't mean they're effective. And if you want a close walk with Jesus Christ, you want to be effective. You want him to make a difference in your life. The second part of this sword of the Spirit, if you'll notice, it says in, in verse 17 at the end, it says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. No period right there. There's a comma. Now remember, we talked about last week how in the original Greek, there was no punctuation. Punctuation didn't come till later. It came through in the, in the uh, uh, transliteration of the word. They added the punctuation. They added all the separations. They added the chapters. They added the verses. They added the quote marks. They added the commas. Okay, and I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm saying understand that. Because in the original language, it wasn't there. So if you look at this, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. You do not know how to wield your sword without interaction of the Holy Spirit. It says he is the one that reveals scripture to us. You can't learn it like a textbook. Well, you can. And you're going to gain some knowledge. As a matter of fact, you could gain amazing knowledge. You can have the entire word of God memorized and know all the answers in it without being effective in it. Because it's only the Holy Spirit that reveals truth of what we read. How many times have you read a scripture a thousand times and then you go back and read it again and all of a sudden, where'd that come from? I've read that a thousand times and now it, now it hits me like it's a completely new verse. That's because of the application of the Holy Spirit. By the way, that verse, that same verse can do that ten times. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't just plop, okay, you're good. Next in line, okay, plop, you're good. You know it now, you're good, move on. No, he takes us in stages. Why? Because he's a gentleman. He's never going to force himself on you. He's going to do it only with your release, only with your permission. You have to engage. That's your part of the relationship. You have to engage. So what boundaries do you set in your own personal life? 
What boundaries are there that you place there and say, this is the part that I'm going to control? Whether it be because of fear, whatever it is that causes you to have those boundaries with the Holy Spirit. Perhaps it's fear of control. I want to control what I think this says. Because I am afraid of what he might do. See, these are some real issues. And by the way, I'm not saying that there's a pat answer to it. I'm saying it's a process. You look in the Word of God, everything's a process. Creation was a process. He didn't have to do it that way. He could have just, boom, and everything was there. He had that power within him to do it however he wanted. But he chose to do it as a process. In creating us, he could have created us as, you know, full-grown adults, like he did to Adam. But God chose to do it in a process. He chose to take us through birth. He chose to have us learn throughout our lives. That's the Christian walk. That's the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Upon salvation, you just don't get everything. You get your ticket to heaven, for lack of a better term. That's what you get when you accept Jesus Christ in your heart. And then you get these possibilities. You get this manual that can open your life to everything, but then you need someone to have to teach you how to do it. That's the Holy Spirit. So what boundaries are you putting up with him? You know, I want to read just a little bit further, Ephesians 18, halfway through and through 20. says this. This is after, after Paul talked about all the different pieces of armor that we put on. Okay, and so picture this soldier completely ready for battle. And then he says this. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, Paul says, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. What he said here is, you're putting your armor on for yourself But in addition to that, you're putting it on for the person next to you. You're putting it on for your family. You're putting it on for other Christians in your church. You're putting it on for people that you have a relationship with. You're not just doing it for yourself. Remember the picture of the Roman column when they all got in, I think they called it the tortoise formation, and they all had their shields up in the air, and then the ones on the side had... It became this complete protective shell. If just one of those laid down their shield, there would be something exposed. So what what Paul's saying here is, you are as important to yourself as you are to your neighbor. As a church, we say there's an army rising up, right? 
Ignition Church, there's an army rising up. Do you know that every one of you is as important as the next in keeping that army rising? It can't be that I'm just along for the ride. Think about how that would work in the army. What happens to the people that are just along for the ride? They're not trained. They're not ready. They're not battle ready. What happens to them? Al knows. Al was in Nam. They usually don't come back. They usually face things they're not prepared for. They're not ready for. It's the same with Christian life. If you don't put your armor on and you're not prepared, you're going to face things you can't handle. And perhaps right now you're facing some of those things. You know, as a family, we're to put on the armor for each other. We're to lift each other up. We're to pray for each other. We're to lift those up, as Paul said, here, also pray for me. You know, Paul wasn't with them all the time. As a matter of fact, he wasn't with them most of the time. But he said, pray for me. So we have to lift those up that are in the front lines. And there are many people on the front lines. Just watch the news. Just see what the enemy is doing in this world. We've been buffeted for so long here in the States. That's changing. We have to lift them up. See, the body of Christ is not just this. This isn't just the church. This may be our portion of the church, but the church is the entire body. So when you choose to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and walk with Jesus Christ, you choose to engage in that body. And because of that, you have a responsibility to do just that. Bow your heads.